You're listening to Slice of Cheese with Jenny Linford on Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon and specialist food retailers. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Hello. Welcome to A Slice of Cheese, the Food FM radio series that celebrates the world of cheese. I'm Jenny Linford, a food writer and cheese enthusiast, the author of Great British Cheeses. Cheese is a delicious and fascinating food, and we're setting out to explore this remarkable food and share the stories of the people who make, sell and love it. This year, the World Cheese Awards will take place in Trondheim, Norway. So timely moment to look at the world of Scandinavian cheese. Food writer Signe Johansson, author of two appetising Scandalicious cookbooks, sets the scene for us. We talk to two notable Norwegian cheesemakers whose cheeses have each won Supreme Champion at previous World Cheese Awards. Kristen Wagen of Tingvolost and Magnus Hafslund of Ostergarden. Finally, Bernt Booker Johansson of Harnen, a Norwegian trade organisation for rural farm produce, discusses the Norwegian cheese scene and why he wanted the World Cheese Awards to come to Norway. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Well, this week on A Slice of Cheese, very happy to have with me today Signe Johansson, a food writer and author of a number of books, including two Scandalicious cookbooks and Smorgasbord. Good morning, Signe. Good morning, Jenny. <laughs> so nice to be talking to you about cheese in Scandinavia, because it's something I don't know very much about. And obviously, given that you are Norwegian and a food writer, I thought you are the perfect person to guide me. Is cheese beloved in Scandinavia? Well, it's it's beloved. It's thought to date back to the Viking era. So around 800 AD, the dairy production became part of that sort of pastoral life, I suppose. And, you know, obviously we know that cheese being an incredibly nutritious product also stores very well. So, you know, very early on when it came about, it was obviously a, a vital source of nutrition, particularly throughout the winter months. You know, we, we know that the, the vitamin D and the calcium is, is um, essential to get us through winter. So it was, uh, it was, a, it was mm. the perfect product really for cold battle hardened Vikings to, <laughs> to, <laughs> to make in there, you know, when, when they were not marauding and uh, <laughs> pillaging and yes. looting. Um, they were eating cheese. Were, That's a good, were, this is a good image. I'm they were, they were yeah. making some cheese. Uh, and so it, it, it has quite a long history and not as obviously a, a long history as, as the original source of cheese production. We produce a lot of cheese in the Scandinavian re- region. Um, Denmark, is by far the biggest producer in terms of, um, I think something like 78 kilos of cheese are produced per person, per Danish person, oh. which is extraordinary when you think yeah. about it. Um, that's a lot of cheese. And, um, uh, Norway's a little bit further behind, but still, still quite up per capita, very, very, uh, comfortable with our cheese consumption. We have a lot of cheese. So it's, it is a big part of the food culture. It's, it has deep historic roots and, um, and yeah, and it, there are slight variations, obviously, between the, the different countries. Is cheese made primarily with cow's milk in Scandinavia, or, or is there, um, you know, or was it sort of sheep and goats and cows? All, all three, yeah. So, uh, I, from what I understand, I think cows was more of a modern um, uh, development. Mm-hmm. So, partly, particularly in Norway, where um, you know it, it's, there's not much arable land. It's a very, uh, it's very mountainous um, country, as you know. And uh, I think I believe that in 
Denmark and Sweden, there is a perhaps a longer tradition of, of using cow's milk for dairy products, not just cheese, obviously, but for sort of sour, soured right. milks yes. and creams and butter, etc. Yes. So, um, yeah, all three are, are, are still in use and they have been historically, but I, I would say cows is probably the most modern uh, variety. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, that's interesting. And obviously, I've been sort of broad brushing Scandinavia, but you know, they're, they're different countries. <laughs> how they, and sorry, could perhaps we could perhaps we could take us on a little tour, Signet? Well, how are they? Are they sort of characteristic cheeses? I mean, perhaps we should start with Norway, which is your own country. Is there is there a sort of famous Norwegian cheese we should know? Well, about? there are famous Norwegian cheeses. Um, I mean, obviously, Jarlsberg is, uh, is is exported around the world. Um, it's one of Norway's great cheese exports. It's a lovely nutty kind of Swiss style cheese. A lot of the um, sort of 20th century cheese varieties that you find, particularly in Norway. Um, have a Swiss or a Dutch leaning or style oh, because a lot of yeah. the, the at some point I think in the late uh, 19th century there was funding for dairy farmers and scientists to go to those countries to learn about cheese you know learn about cheese making process right. from those countries yes. um, before that you you know you had all kinds of really you know quite wacky pongy um, fermented cheeses that were just naturally fermented. You know, you had a, a in, mm. in Norway, we had something called gammalust, which is literally translates as old cheese. And it's, uh-huh. it really is old and pongy. And um, it was made <laughs> from storing soured whey milk. And it's very beloved. And it had all kinds of sort of mythical properties, like it was considered sort of Viagra of its time. Um, and often that's often the way, isn't it? You find us right. There's a fee. Right. And also, yes, especially when they're quite challenging, like durian in Southeast Asia is considered aphrodisiac. Exactly. And, you know, it's got this very strong smell. It's a, it's a very characterful fruit. Exactly. There's a certain chauvinism attached, I think, to anything that's like challenging to eat. And, um, yeah. and yeah, so the, I mean, obviously, those are, those are two opposite ends of the spectrum because Gamalosta is obviously stored for a long time. It's very pongy. And then you've got Jarlsberg, which is exported outside of Norway and is, is not a, a threat to your nostrils um, <laughs> and but, but but highly addictive you know I, I get cravings sometimes for Jarlsberg because I, I love that nutty taste and I love the sliceability of it so uh, so those are the ones and of course we have in Norway um, uh, Brunost which is um, brown cheese and that is yes. caramelized whey um, that has been pressed into what looks like a soap bar and in fact many many years ago and relatives of my Norwegian family who had uh, were second or third generation emigres to the United States. So they were coming to visit from Minnesota and they were sort of making this pilgrimage back to the, the family roots in, in uh, Songlifjord, where my father's family is from. And mm-hmm. they were offered a bar of Brunost from my grandparents to try. And they thought it was, in fact, a bar of soap. And they tried to use it wow. as a bar of soap in the shower. And... <laughs> <laughs> with, with uh, not very successful mm. results. Yeah, but it didn't lather very well. It didn't lather, no. And I, I think they mm. were a bit perplexed. Yeah. This is some sort of strange moisturizer. Um, so it's, it's very confusing, I think, to non-Norwegians because it's not really a cheese. I always say to people, like, don't think of it as like a cheddar-style cheese or a, you know, something yeah. that you're familiar with. It is. It's a different category. It's kind of sweet and savory. It's got a lovely caramel yeah. flavor. Delicious on waffles. Like, it's almost a good thing to have as a sort of like a savoury accompaniment to sweeter things, you know. So oh, that's a nice way of putting mm, it. Clever. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Really interesting. Um, so. And so there's, 
historically always been very localized cheese production and, and great variety, even within regions, you know, so like Norway's not a right. very big country, but across all the Scandinavian countries, you wouldn't have sort of a monolithic industrial cheese that's made and exported the way that you do now, you know, you have with Jarlsberg or you have with the mm-hmm. Danish blue, for example, in Denmark, um, yeah. they would be until probably the, about the 19th century when the big dairy farms and the cooperatives were launched, um, a lot of cheese production was really just for the family. It was really about self-sufficiency. Mm. So you'd have these highly localized cheeses that were produced maybe in yeah. a matter of a few kilos per farm per year, you know, and, it, and, and they had their mm. own characteristics because obviously, you know, as you know, with the sort of terroir of of that particular region or valley or, you know, the kind of grass that the um, – the animals would feed yes. on there'd be great yeah. variety between even those those highly yeah. localized isn't that a fascinating like it's such a tantalizing thought you sort of mourn that right that loss of diversity exactly. i mean to you know because che- yes it is when you look at cheese it's expressive of place mm. because of the nature of cheese of how it's made yeah um, if the you know if the milk is from that place then you have got a chance to express that place obviously yeah and exactly. uh, yeah, yeah that is a very tantalizing thought <laughs> but i mean that's what's happened in the yeah, with the 1920th century, is this the move to to more sort of a monoculture, I suppose, mm. and more dominant forms? Exactly. Yeah, interesting. It, and so we should keep travelling around. So we started in Norway. Mm-hmm. Where, where should we go to next then on our cheese journey? Well, I mean, obviously Denmark is a huge cheese producer, and uh, they have a, a, a number. Again, also quite a thriving artisan cheese industry that's really um, grown out of the sort of new nordic movement and i think even bef- before that. Ask about that yeah so there's a lot yeah. again a lot of very highly localized artisan producers um around denmark who are producing f- fantastic um cheeses there was one actually I was reading a description about um because i haven't been to denmark since before the pandemic so i'd, I'd like to go back and yeah. try some of them so it's sort of imagining what they mm. taste like but there's one called tibo which is spelled t-h-y-b-o and uh, it's a very umami-rich kind of crystallized cheese. So, Ooh, yeah, good. so slightly hinting towards that kind of Parmesan um, end mm. of the cheese spectrum. And yeah. uh, it has a very buttery taste. You know, uh, we like sort of buttery flavors in Scandinavia. In fact, um, you know, as, as you probably know, like butter is highly prized and valued in our in our food yes. culture. Um, so that yeah. sort of flavor is very appreciated. Quite right, too, can I just say? <laughs> well, yes. I know. I mean, we're partial to butter, but I can understand if you, someone listening to this isn't, they might think, ugh. But, um, but yeah, that is a, that's a cheese from Jutland, which uh, is, yeah, so that's, I mean, sort of Sweden, Sweden, Denmark, that, that kind of area. And um you know, I mean, there's like so many great uh, Danish cheeses. You've got Rigo Ust. Sorry to any Danes listening to this. My Danish is not very good, um, which is smoked cheese. Um, and you have all kinds of varieties made from goat's milk to, you know, to, to cow's milk and this sort of different. Oh. Um, there's some really interesting ones like a, there's a um, there's a goat's version of the Rigo Ust, um, which is from Funen in Denmark. And that is supposed to be fantastic and again it hints at that kind of very scandinavian love of of curing and fermenting and and smoking and you know those kind of flavors come into play a little bit yeah yeah and it works of course it has like a great sort of um lateral application because those are flavors that work with the the breads you know the kind of really robust rye breads and um the the dishes that you get you know sort of like big flavors like the dill and the you know the, the spices and the the various pickles and things. So it, it, yes. again, it's like it's harmonious. Yeah, right. it's meant to be sort of harmonious within yeah. the, the, the food lexicon, I guess. <laughs> um, Interesting. 
And, and what about Sweden? And then has that, has Sweden that, also has, 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 a, has a thriving cheese industry. I mean, the most probably the most famous example would be Vesterbotten, which is yes. um, really delicious. Kind of, someone described it as a dewy cheese, which I thought was an interesting way of thinking about mm. cheese. But it's it's a, it is a hard cheese, but it has a kind of like interesting sort of um, dewy texture to it, and. Again, you can get a slight crystallization, so the sort of umami effect of the kind of the maturing process, and it's very savory. It's very good for cooking. So typically right. in Sweden, you can make something called a Vesterbotten pie, which is um, oh. essentially like a cheese quiche. You know, so it's it's not that different yeah. from what you would imagine in in France or other parts right. of Europe. But again, it's using a kind of locally made product. Um, yeah. highly regarded and it's got lots of flavor you know it's not it's not it's it, you wouldn't use it i think in the same way that you would use yalsberg which is you know more like a sandwich cheese right. you know so it's ah uh-huh. so it's a bit more prestigious yeah more, it is yeah. It's, it's more valued yeah, exactly more pres- yeah. exactly okay. yeah highly valued ah, interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah yeah when people are away from home you know do you the miss the missing of foods of you know foods from your home I was wondering what, what, you know, is that something that you, you know, would you be craving some of these? Oh, definitely. These, you know, this cheese. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, in fact, whenever I go to Norway or if my, my father's gone on a visit and come back, he, he invariably brings some cheese back for me. Um, you oh, can actually, yeah. st- you can actually get a pretty decent variety in the UK. Now you can get, um, a few Norwegian and Swedish and Danish. In fact, you can get quite a lot of Danish cheeses. They are readily available in most British supermarkets. Um, Swedish and Norwegian cheeses, not so much. So you, you would find those yeah. in, in more specialized stores Special. like the Scandinavian yeah. kitchen or La Fromagerie. Yes. Um, but even waitros now stocks, uh, Brunost or Gibbransdalsost, which is the kind of milder version of Brunost, the brown cheese from Norway. Um, so there is, there is increasing demand. I mean, it's, I suspect it's mostly expats who live, you know, expat Scandinavians who live in the UK who, who yeah. hanker for that. But um, oh, it's, it's a powerful drive. It is a powerful know, drive. That, yeah, certainly. The food, you know, the food, mm. a food that you know, and it's got a very, I mean, that's what's so fascinating about cheese and how mm-hmm. particular it is. And so, yeah. Yes, and so that you know that particular flavour. Well, and also of, of cheese, sliceable you know. cheese, which is very much like part of the kind of um, the Shiva tradition in, in in Norway, particularly, but also across Scandinavia. That sort of like have, making your own sandwiches, and you know, to have a sliceable right. cheese is really. I mean, one. I wouldn't say sliceable. Do you mean like with a cheese? With a cheese slicer? slicer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So rather than yeah. cutting, and it cut, also, it's got lovely textures. It's not mm. going to fall apart. It's just going to stay in a nice, exactly. pliable slice. Nice, is that right? Silky slices. Yeah. yeah, that don't kind of crumble when yeah. you're when you're eating a sandwich. And um, actually, one cheese that you can't find in the UK but uh, is, is is inspired by the kind of Dutch chowda tradition of the sort of spiced chowda is um, yeah. is nukkelost which literally means key cheese and I'm not quite sure why it's called key cheese as in like key, a set of keys but um, it's mm-hmm. essentially a, 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 a Dutch chowda style actually it's not really a chowda style that's not probably that's not quite right it's milder than a chowda but it has cumin and clove sort of cumin and clove oh, like cheese Wow, cloves are powerful. Very powerful. Yeah, they're they're the kind of yeah. they're the background flavors, so they're not as dominant. You definitely yeah. taste the cumin, and then there's just a hint of that that medicinal taste of the clove, and it yeah. sounds odd, but it's really delicious. It's so good on and sort of mm. fresh made, homemade, you know, wholemeal bread or rye bread, and I just love that. That's really that's that's the sort of taste of home. That um, like, oh, yeah, how lovely. Yeah. Well, if I wanted to ask you, given you're a food writer, you know, how what are the ways that um, that you know you you enjoy cooking with? Are these sort of Scandinavians' way? Or would it be sort of sliced and eaten at breakfast? Was it you know, or is it 
put on sandwiches or what are the other pretty versatile yeah so you'd have um obviously like a breakfast spread where you'd have the kind of classic eggs and and butter and cheese and some fresh fruit and then delicious bread um so that is that kind of that sort of aligns with a continental style breakfast i suppose Mm. um and then they're they're quite versatile so you could obviously cook with them i mean i i often will play around with particularly with brunos to the brown cheese because it has this interesting sweet savory umami um, flavor you can use it in sweet things so I sometimes put it in like chocolatey bakes like cookies or yeah, brownies or you know I was gonna say brownies yeah, yeah and yeah. Uh, like Guinness cake is really good made with a little bit of Norwegian brunos because it rounds out that slight bitterness from the chocolate Guinness um, flavors yeah and then you can um, obviously button, which we've always t- already talked about can be used yeah. like a sort of parmesan or cheddar and yeah it's used in sauces um, some people like to use uh, some of the Scandinavian cheeses you know with seafood you know so you'll have sort of like a kind oh. of seafood cheese thing going on I'm not so fond of that I, I'm a bit of a purist when it comes to keeping fish and um yes. and and uh, cheese separate it's sort of like the delicate flavor of the fish and then the maybe the yes. cheese afterwards yeah. rather than together on the yeah. same plate um and then yeah i mean it's obviously if you've got danish blue you can do all kinds of things you could make dips you could make uh you know to, to have to crisp bread with you could cook you know you could have it in macaroni cheese i mean it, you know anything yeah. with kind of, as you know from any food culture that has cheese it's it's about you know, thinking creatively as a cook and thinking, oh, this, what, what, how will this enhance a dish? And, you know, if you use a good ingredient, you can, you can definitely lift a dish beyond its, the sum of its parts. So yeah, it's, um, it's, it's mixed. It's not, it, people aren't super strict about how they use their cheese, you know, yeah. you can, um, and you can also make like grilled cheese, you know, with the, with some of the varieties as well. Like you can make a, you know, grilled Yalsberg is delicious. It's really delicious, mm. when, um, caramelized and has a little bit of, you know, extra, extra umami added from the um, caramelization process. So, yeah, it's, I mean, obviously with the brunos as well, you would have it on waffles that, as I mentioned before, that's a kind of that sounds a great classic. I, I think, is it spreadable, the brunos? I've, oh, um, no, so it's it not. It's, fu- it's fudgy. So no. you would slice it. Um, right. Yeah. So in the also, I think for a while, La Fromagerie were storing it. Uh, they were offering it in their, oh. in their cafes as a example yeah. of, of what you could do with brown cheese. Um, yeah, fascinating. So, yeah. and it's yeah. And there's other. Is there um, are there fresh soft cheeses as well? Is that yeah? A big, yeah, you can get. In fact, yeah. you can actually get brown cheese in a in a soft version. So it sounds a bit strange because wow. it's like a okay. you know like a cheese yeah. paste. And of course, you know, yeah. I, I don't think we should shy away from mentioning primula, which is like which is cheese in a tube. Yeah, uh, yes, Scandinavians have a thing for um, lots of foods and tubes actually. Whether it's I whether know. It's cap- isn't there a, there's a fish there's a codro paste codro paste there? yeah. uh, there's remoulade yes. there's yeah. mayonnaise and you can get cheese in a tube yeah. and there's a time and place for that. I'm a particular I have a fondness for the jalapeno version of primula just on a bit of crisp bread because I think that's actually oh that's so a good nice. snack. Um, I'm it's very interesting because as you're talking, you know, you're mentioning the the breads and the crisp, and actually that that partnership is very interesting, isn't mm. it? That actually would work beautifully. I mean, the, the, you've got very interesting vehicles mm-hmm. for cheese in, as part of your Scandinavian tradition, mm, exactly. With these, with these beautiful rye breads and the, yeah, and then the, the different textures on the crisp bread. Yeah. And, I said the bread culture um, is yeah. as important as the cheese. You know, you can, you can't really. I mean, the yin yeah. and yang, right? You can't have one without the other. Yeah, um, yeah. So it's they, they complement each other really well. Either cheese dishes or particular times of year when you might eat a particular, you know, in in the so they midsummer cheese dish, or is there a Christmas cheese dish, um, or not as such? That's a good or is it more question? I well, I mean, I know there is a cheese festival to celebrate 
the gammalust, which is the old cheese I mentioned earlier in in Vik in Somnafjord, and that's that, which I love the idea of like celebrating an old cheese. Um, But in terms of sort of high holidays, you I suppose you would serve a good cheese. You would you might get like a premium version of one of the ones we've talked about, you know, for Christmas or for for as a treat. For for, as a treat. Um, I know that now you can get certain like decorative versions. You know, some that have been pressed into these beautiful shapes, and they're kind of you know they they hark back to that kind of folk tradition of you know lovely um lovely designs you know really um yeah quite ornate designs so there's that um and then i think the vasterbotten pie vasterbotten pie in sweden would typically be served um when they have their crayfish party during the summer so that's that's august August time time, yeah Yeah, yeah, so that's part of the, yeah. the the table, and it sets up the booze. There's lots of drinking, isn't there, with a crayfish yeah. party? Yes, lots of yeah, lots of schnapps. It, or, yeah, yeah, exactly. Lots of yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, exactly. Mm. You need you need some of the fat to soak up the uh, the akivit. I think that's, that's yeah. <laughs> essential. Yeah, that's yeah. So, very interesting. Oh, well, lovely. Well, that was a really lovely evocative journey, Signe. I thought I just wanted to ask you, have, have you? You know, when you were growing up, do, you know, have you got che- are there cheese memories or things that your parents cooked that or used cheese or did you? You know, when you came back from school, were you given a cheese sandwich or? I mean, we often had cheese sandwiches. When I, I started making my own sandwiches uh, when I was a teenager because my mother just resented making school lunches, so yeah. I started making oh, yes, my own. Not surprised, um, yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Totally fair enough. And um, yeah. so I would often use uh, Norwegian uh, Norwegian sliced cheese, like a Nukulost or a Jarlsberg or Norvegia, which is another sort of Norwegian Swiss style cheese. Um, and I would typically have it for sandwiches. I I wasn't really a cheese at breakfast kind of person. I found it's quite right. a bit too rich first thing in the morning. Um, yeah. But yeah, it, for as a child, you know, you would you would generally and favorite childhood memory would be the brown cheese on the on the waffles, Norwegian waffles. waffles. Yeah, because that's, that's such a great combination. You have it actually. I, I'm I'm sort of oversimplifying it. You actually have it with a dollop of Norwegian remma, which is uh, sour cream. And homemade raspberry jam, which sounds weird, wow. but it's it works. No, it's like it kind sounds of good. Cool flavor, like, like, sweet, savory, yeah. sort of tanginess from the fruit, and then of course the waffle. So, it's, oh, um, yeah, it's you know I want this. That's now on my to try in life list. I can <laughs> so recommend it. Wonderful. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh well, thank you, Sina. It's been a real pleasure to talk to pleasure. you. Thank you for coming on a slice of cheese. Oh, take thank care. you. <laughs> I'm a huge fan of Peter's Yard's crackers and they go beautifully with cheese. All Peter's Yard's crackers are made in small batches using quality natural ingredients and their sourdough starter, slowly fermented for 16 hours for award-winning flavour and crunch. Online, on smart speakers and on Listen Again, this is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon and specialist food retailers. I'm very happy to have with me today, all the way from Norway, cheesemaker Kristen Wagen of Tingvolost, and her friend Hannah, who is going to also interpret for her too. Hello to you two. Hello. Hello. Now, Kristen, I was really interested. Your cheese is very famous. Well, one of your cheeses, I should say. Kraftkar. Tell us the story of how you're on a family farm, I think, using your own milk to make cheese and one of your cheeses had a wonderful went on a wonderful journey tell us that story yes we started Tingvolost in 2003 um, me and my parents mm-hmm. 
and uh, first we produced the cheese in our bathroom, a very small bathroom in uh, <laughs> my parents' house. And in 2006, we built a, yeah, a cheese factory. Oh, okay. We first uh, was in the competition World Cheese Awards in 2011 and right. won a gold medal. Brilliant. And uh, we won medal each year to, until 2016 when we mm-hmm. won the world champion title. That is quite amazing, isn't it? I mean, I've, I've judged at the World Cheese Awards and I have thousands of entries. And to win that, you know, the, um, the overall champion award is a big achievement because um, you really are competing with some of the best cheeses in the world. Tell us about the cheese that won and tell us the, um, it's called Kraftkar. Could you tell us about its name, first of all? Kraftkar translates to strongman in English uh-huh. and it's a nod to legendary farmhand Tore Norpe who live here in this village who was re-owned for his incredible strength and size. Wonderful. Uh, so uh, my um, my grandmother was born in this uh, farm who Tore Norpe lived in. So um, it's uh, it's my family story, this man called Tore. How lovely. That's very special. And tell us about the cheese, because I'm afraid I haven't tried it. What, what, perhaps we start with what, what sort of cheese is it? It's a well-stored blue cheese, uh, creamy taste, and a lot of taste. It's handmade, and uh, it's a rich uh, taste. Uh, yeah, you should try it. <laughs> I know, I'm keen, <laughs> believe me. <laughs> so, I imagine, um, and you're making on quite a small scale, are you? And tell me, so your, your cows, how many cows do you, does your family farm have? Uh, right now we have 62 cows, and each of them have their own names. So when my father and I talk about the cows, uh, we call them by names. Um, lovely. And the cheese factory is right to the barn, so um, the milk is non-traveled milk. Yeah. Yeah. Do you pasteurize your milk, or is it raw milk? Yeah, we pasteurize, yeah. Right, yeah. Your father, your family started making cheese, I think because there was a change in the laws which allowed farms to make cheese using their own milk. Is, is that right? Uh, yes, it was easier to, to produce. Um, we want to make uh, a job for more of us. My mother and father work, worked in the farm and we want me to have a job here as well. Mm. So because of that, we started with cheese. But we didn't know anything about cheese before we started. So um, uh, we have to learn all from the beginning. <laughs> that is so interesting. I, I was interviewing another cheesemaker this morning, and she she had a family farm and wanted, you know, to make some money and had to learn. How how did your how did your you and your parents learn about making cheese? We traveled to different courses, also in Sweden and here in Norway. A French uh, man came here to learn us to make oh, cheese. Great. We try by ourselves and taste and try and taste and uh, our cheeses was born. <laughs> Amazing. That is wonderful. I mean, because it's not, it's not easy to make cheese. You know, a lot of things can go wrong. Did you and your family find it interesting and rewarding to, make, to be making cheese from your own milk? Yes, it's my mother who is uh, the mother of the cheeses because uh, 
my father and I is most interested in the cows and uh, the business, but my mother is very nøyaktig. Um, yeah, she's specific and um, I think that she's it's uh, her babies. Uh, yeah, <laughs> so it sounds a good team, you know, with different in the family. If you've got your yeah. different ability, that's brilliant, isn't it? Why did she choose a blue cheese then? Or why did you? Was it is, is there a big market for blue cheese in in Norway? We produce four different types of cheeses. It's two white cheese and two blue cheeses. Oh, yeah. Right. So. Um, the year we won World Cheese Awards in 2016, we also won Super Gold for the other blue cheese, Wiesmann. Wow, that's fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> How rewarding. I mean, that is really impressive. And is there, and if you're making on quite a small scale, which it sounds you must be, there must be a huge demand, especially when you've won these, this very prestigious award. Was there just a massive demand for your cheese? Yeah, and the interest um, was huge after it. Uh, our mailbox was full and uh, the phone was ringing. And uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it was a new beginning after we won. Yeah, yeah. I bet. I mean, that's, that's, that can change a business's fortunes, you know, to, to win on at that level. It really puts a spotlight on you. It puts your, gets lots of people to, to hear of you. Yeah, here in Norway, but also um, in uh, in abroad. Um, yeah, like me. Yeah. <laughs> so fantastic. And have you made changes? Have you, you know, are you? Did you have to produce more cheese, or have you just kept it as it was to keep in the way that you did make it before? Uh, we kept it as it was because it's our cows who regulate how big we. We're going to be, yeah. so we can't be bigger because our barn is not bigger. Right. We don't have a place for more cows. So, and we don't want to be bigger because uh, our cheese is handmade and it's, um, I think the quality is not going to be so high level if the size, if we grow more. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And so, and is it good grazing? I mean, you know, the milk is always so important for cheese. So is it the quality of the grass? Are your cows fed on the local pasture? And is that a big bit of the flavour of the cheese? Yeah, we talk about our cheese is taste, uh, uh, tasting of the nature around us. So if our farm has been in another place in Norway, uh, the cheese has tasted different. Right. So, yeah. Yeah, so, I mean so that's really interesting. Yeah, cheese is such an expression of of the land, isn't it? Through through the milk. Yeah, yeah. fantastic. And as, and what is the breed of cow that you're using? Is it a special? Is it um, a dairy cow that gives good yield of milk? Uh, we have a combination cow called Norwegian Red Cattle, mm-hmm. who is um, um, producing milk but also meat. Ah, interesting. Okay. That's interesting. And, and obviously milk that is good for cheese making then? Yeah, we think so. <laughs> yeah, sure, well, you've got the proof. In, in Britain, a lot of British restaurants used to have French cheese boards. But now, you know, in the last 20 years, they started to have British cheese boards with a sense of pride. Is the same thing happening in, in Norway in your restaurant scene? Yeah, yeah, it is. I think Norwegians is more proud of, of our own food and uh, also cheese because uh, um, some years ago it wasn't so much ma- so many Norwegian, che- Norwegian cheese, but um, now yeah. we have a lot of 
farm dairies here. Fantastic. And people are interested, I mean, in in buying locally made cheeses and, and learn, yeah, and enjoying yeah. them. Yeah. yeah, and I think the quality is uh, high here in Norway. Um, mm-hmm. Before we won in 2016, Norway, Norway wasn't a cheese country. But I think mm-hmm. after, after that, we we became a, a cheese country. <laughs> yeah, you're on the yeah. map. Yeah. yeah, definitely. So what time does your working day start there on the farm, for the, for the farm? My children goes on the school bus at 8 o'clock, so I... Uh, I'm going to the barn after that, but I have a milking robot milking all night. Oh, so, um, yeah, it's okay in the barn when I came here. So we produce milk um, every hour uh, yeah. every day. Yeah, and is the, cheese milking, is the cheese made daily or is it over a, or once a week or how does it go? No, yeah, five times per week we produce cheese um, and we started at seven in the morning. Right. Wow. And you've got your four cheeses. So we should talk, perhaps tell us the names of, of so we, we've talked about Kraftka. What are the names of the other cheeses? We have a, a cheese called Milmester, um, mild master. You can translate it. Uh, it's a, a mild blue and no, white cheese. Mm-hmm. Um, and you have Edelfrue, noble lady. Oh, nice. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> And it's a type of camembert, soft, uh, sweet, tasty white cheese. And also Wiesmann, who is a uh, wise, wise man. Wise man. Yeah. Um, it's a mild blue cheese. All Lovely. our cheeses has their names from uh, Tingvoll's um, history from mm. the Middle Age. So Lovely. it's a person behind every cheese name. And the family behind the cheeses, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> also fantastic. That. Yeah, oh, well, Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. That's really lovely to to hear your story, and congratulations to and to your to your parents for one, you know, an amazing achievement. It's very impressive. <laughs> thank you very much. Take care. Thank you. Bye bye. Bye. Online on smart speakers and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon and specialist food retailers. This week on A Slice of Cheese, we're exploring the world of Scandinavian cheese. I'm very happy to have with me today, all the way from Norway, Magnus Hufsland of Ostergarden, cheesemaker in Norway. Hi, Magnus. Hello, Jenny. Nice to be here. Thank you very much. And Magnus, it's, um, I wanted to hear about your family business. I think it was your father who started making cheese. Was he a, was he a dairy farmer before that? Uh, yes, it, um, we come from a small uh, dairy farm uh, with only 12 cows milking. And it's been, been my parents and mainly my father who has uh, been running the farm for uh, since I think it's 1988, I think he took over the farm. Mm-hmm. And uh, in 2007, we started up with the cheese production as well. What made him start making cheese? Why we started? We've um, always been really fancy about the, um, how can we put more resources out of the farm? What resources do we have around us? Um, it's not uh, not as quite good economic if you just produce the milk in Norway. Ooh. Yeah, get paid for all your work. You should have some work on the side as well. And um, what 
resources we had, we had uh, good good milk. So we, <laughs> yeah, why not start making the cheese? So what was the first cheese that your father started making then? <laughs> we decided to actually make uh, brie and uh, camembert. Uh-huh. And we uh, decided to make it on, the, on the, the original French recipe, like unstable brie and camembert, um, which is very, very difficult. <laughs> like that. And, um, so that's been our like signature cheese uh, since the start. Oh, that's interesting. Mm. And did were you involved in the cheese making mm. when it started? And not quite when it started. Uh, I was like 12, 13 oh, yeah. years old. Okay. I should, yeah. yeah that's cool. Uh, <laughs> so I was quite young. <laughs> yeah. And we should come on to the fact mm. that you're... You had this amazing win at the World Cheese Awards where your cheese funnelst won, won supreme champion cheese in the world, which is pretty amazing. Tell us about that. I think you're the smallest cheesemakers in the sense of this side of the business to win that prize. Mm. Um, first of all, the funnelst is uh, a Gouda type of cheese. Mm-hmm. And um, it's aged for around uh, or minimum uh, 14 months before we sell it mm. it's been like mainly the cheese we make uh, the most of on uh, on this farm uh, now that's an amazing achievement you know because you're up against thousands of cheeses absolutely um when uh, when uh, when the cheese awards in bergen it's, it's the same city as the farm so that's uh-huh. really uh, fun Oh, that's it was nice. like yeah, 3,700 competitors. And my father was uh, standing in the hall of uh, Grigal and uh, just watching all those cheeses, all those uh, tables. And he was like, okay, if I become like top 80, then I have made a victory for myself, he said. Mm. And uh, <laughs> it went all the way to the top. Amazing. And, uh, yeah. That last bit is the, the 16 finalists, aren't they? And they're people champion the I think is it 16 I think at the end and it's it's like a really exciting sort of finale where you're watching they all get points and so you can see which cheese is doing well but then another cheese comes along and it's a chance mm. to win so it must have been very exciting for your father and nervous very much I was not uh, present myself I was in uh, the army for exercise so it was uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was uh, hearing the news in a tent in, so in the <laughs> and I wanted to talk to get, actually go back a little bit to talk about the cows uh, um, mm. for your cheese to win that prize you need really good milk to make really good cheese tell us mm. a little bit about how many cows do you do you have do you have more cows now no, actually, we we have the same amount of cows. We only have, yeah, maximum 12 cows we can have on this farm. Well. Um, because of the area of the grass and everything. Um, so after the, the win, we had to increase our production. So we actually have to um, buy some milk from neighbor neighbor farms. Is, is the, are your cows, your own cows, are they a particular breed? Is there a, a Norwegian dairy breed that you have? Yeah, we are using a Norwegian red, uh, which is... Um, pretty common um, breed in Norway it's um, the breed is very good for uh, meat production and uh, milk so it's like a combination cow (laughs) yes very useful so it's fed what on the grass the pastures is that part of the the sort of the, the magic of the milk in a way is it what it's feeding on then Yes, um, you could say everything starts with the grass, I'm usually saying. 
we have uh, we are using a lot of like old fields. Um, we are not plowing the fields as you should <laughs> to increase your uh, and increase the production. We have old fields with like twelve different kinds of uh, grass growing there. We can tell by the milk that uh, yeah, we can find the grass in the milk if you know what I mean. Do you pasteurize the milk or is it unpasteurized? Uh, we pasteurize. Pasteurize, uh, right. okay. Because of the amount of production, we yeah, we like to. Mm. And what made your father go, because you're, if you're making soft cheese, like a camembert style and a brie style, mm. then what, why did your father start making, a, or, or you, the family, start making a Gouda style cheese then? It's like, um, actually, <laughs> it was a question about the making amount of cheese and if we are making brie and camembert, it's it's not quite a market to just make that kind of cheese, if you know mm-hmm. what I mean. Uh, so we need something more as well. And uh, then we make uh, the fauna host. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the word fauna is from the part of the city we are living in. And host is, yeah, cheese. So it's the fauna cheese, if you want to oh, translate it. I didn't realize. That's very straightforward. <laughs> yeah, good name. It's pretty simple, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, what, and so what is it, what's it taste like then? Give us a sense of the cheese. So it's a Gouda style. How would you describe it if I'd never, in fact, I never have eaten it? So please describe it to me. I would say it's a very clean taste of cheese. It's like, it's no spice in the cheese. It's, uh, it's only the milk and the, um, the maturing. Uh, I would say it's pretty sweet. <laughs> and, and, and yeah, as they say, clean cheese taste. And it also has the, the salt crystals. After you won the, the award, was there a lot of interest in Norway in having your cheese, in having this you know world supreme champion cheese? Yeah, uh, <laughs> when uh, just before the the cheese awards, uh, we had this customer who bought every cheese that we had on storage, um, and we were still pretty small at that time. So we had like 150 wheels of cheese uh, farmhouse uh, storage. We sold out everything. We had like five cheeses uh, left, <laughs> and then we won the championship. <laughs> and, yeah, it was like uh, it was like a war going on uh, to get the cheese yeah. <laughs> in the black market. Yeah. It was like 500 uh, <laughs> yeah, pounds for a one kilo of cheese or something. Oh like my that. goodness. It's frustrating because you didn't have any in stock and you couldn't, you can't just make it. It takes time, doesn't it? It takes very long time. It takes, yeah. 14 months, uh, we had one batch coming up like 12 months after. But so I had like five cheese and the whole world wanted that. <laughs> and, <laughs> okay, who do you say yes to? Who do you say no? <laughs> yeah, gosh, yes. Well, hopefully things have stabilized now. So basically since, and the, the win was it, I think it was it 2018, is that right? 2018, yes. Yeah. Things that you've, you've up production as you, you're using what milk from local farmers then that you, you know and trust. Mm. So how many cheese or how much in terms of weight do you make? Now we are making like uh, 20 tons in the year of Fauna host, I think. Right. Before the cheese awards, uh, we made like maybe five tons. So it's been doubled oh. sometimes. Yeah, that's my <laughs> thing. So you are now working with cheese. Do you How do you find that, Magnus? Do you like the world of cheese that you're working in now? It's uh, very exciting. Um, not so good at the... Um, the production part i'm uh, an expert in how to make the cheese but i'm trying to make the business go as usual my job is mainly the farm work and um, and administration 
Yeah, it's a lot. Sometimes, yeah, I sometimes yeah. Uh, join the join the production. And it must be nice for yeah. your father. Yeah. <laughs> But he's the reception of that cheese. That must be pretty gratifying. Mm. It is. It is. And uh, he's now uh, moved out of the farm, and I have moved into the farm. And uh, yeah, so it's it's a lot going on uh, on the farm right now because um, <laughs> we changed our houses like only three months ago. So <laughs> oh, okay. it's a lot going on. Well, listen. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us. It's an amazing story. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, congratulations to you all. Well done. Thank you very much. <laughs> thank you, Magnus. Bye bye. Mm. Bye bye. A number of leading food businesses stock and use Peter's Yard crackers. One of these is Grape and Fig, the first grazing platter company in the UK. Founder Toria Smith turned a personal passion project into an innovative business. Find out more about Grape and Fig over on the Peter's Yard website on their speciality spotlight section. Online, on smart speakers, and on Listen Again. This is Food FM. Savour the crunch of Peter's Yard sourdough crackers. Available at Waitrose, Sainsbury's, Morrison's, Ocado, Amazon, and specialist food retailers. This week on A Slice of Cheese, we're exploring the world of Scandinavian cheese. I'm very happy to have with me today from Norway, Bernd Booker Johansson, and he's the managing director of an organisation called Harman, a Norwegian trade organisation responsible for rural tourism and farm produce. Hello, Bernd. Hello, Jenny. Bernd, thank you so much for taking the time to come and talk to us. Trying to find out more about Scandinavian cheese, which I'm afraid to say I know very little about. Tell me, what is the, the Norwegian cheese scene? Give me a, paint me a picture of it. Well, first, thank you for having me, Jenny. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's great to be here. Uh, well, uh, Norwegian cheese has gone through a tremendous, interesting uh, revolution together with uh, other countries in in in, uh, in the Scandinavian area. And uh, well, it's been a multitude of producers. Uh, we were used to have well one main producer eating all kinds of uh, semi godas uh, and oh. hard cheeses. 150 years ago, the things were different, but. For the last 25 years, there's been a tremendous uh, development when it comes to uh, producers and uh, all different kinds of cheeses, uh, be it um, Dutch or Swiss or uh, French or or, um, or other um, or kinds of, of, of uh, orients from of the cheeses. That's interesting. So do you have a mix? I mean, in Britain, we have, you know, big companies producing um, on a large scale, but we also have in my decades as a writer, I've seen the rise of smaller scale craft producers mm. um, working in farmhouse cheeses. Is it in in Norway? Did that farmhouse cheese tradition continue, or did it get sort of broken and then start up again? In a way, it was broken a hundred years ago, and it was taken up twenty to thirty years ago. Oh, uh, actually, it was you were not allowed to 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 use uh, to to make cheeses at your farm. Really? Uh, no, no. So you had wow. to apply, and then all the regulations was uh, was uh, fixed so that you could start up your own production at your farm. Uh, there was economic incentives to start up your production, uh, and uh, and then after well, ten years time, the market answered, and and people really enjoy uh, farm produced cheeses. Uh, so uh, things have changed, Brilliant. and being in a very small country when it comes to the population it's 
5.5 million, half of London maybe. Uh, <laughs> so it's uh, we have almost 100 uh, artisan cheese producers and, and almost 350 cheeses. So it's, it's yeah, so it's it's, it's great. So is there a sort of taste for cheese in a way? It sounds like there is. I mean, do people enjoy eating it? Do they eat it? You know, do, would people, in the way that, you know, in France, you people would often have, you know, cheese at the end of their meal. Is, is there a tradition in Norway of enjoying cheeses? Well, I can't say it's, well, for the last decade or so it has been a tradition. But uh, when it comes to the, the tradition of gastronomy and, and uh, history of food, it's 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 a far little populated country. It's uh, We have few people and they're scattered around in the vast countryside. Uh, and the tradition when it comes to food is... is uh, uh, it's quite different now these days than it was a hundred years ago. So when it comes to really uh, this French way of, of eating cheeses or uh, they are not very familiar with our way of, of doing it. But uh, things have changed really in uh, the last right. uh, 25 years, yes. Fantastic. I mean, one of the reasons I wanted to make this episode about Scandinavian cheeses was because this autumn the um, the World Cheese Awards are coming to Norway again, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is, you know, very exciting for for everyone, I think. So, and Ben, you were very involved in – and in fact, Norway, we should point out, has twice won – a Norwegian cheese has twice won the World Cheese Awards, which is pretty amazing. Again, Indeed. that is a massive <laughs> achievement. Um, and I was judging at them um, last year, um, and the scale of entries is phenomenal. You know, it's thousands of entries from around the world, so to make your way through – to the top as the supreme champion is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Tell, and you were very involved in, in this, Ben. Tell us, tell us what happened. I, uh, I work for the local uh, producers, for the farms that is interested in producing uh, different kind of produce out of what they're producing at the farm, being it cider or cheese or ham or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it became quite normal to me to see, uh, to find tools for the small producers to compete towards the larger producers and, and the really big ones. Mm-hmm. And then they, the market budgets for farm uh, cheese producers are quite small, of course. And yeah. they then they need to find other ways to do it. And then to uh, take part in competitions would be one one way of, of uh, getting the attention that you need to to get the customers to, yeah. to know your cheeses in in the market and in the uh, shops and uh, wherever it's sold. So uh, so I uh, well I experienced the uh, World Cheese Award back in uh, 2015. Uh, no, it was 2014 when I, oh. I, I was so happy to to or lucky to to stay in London for two years. So I thought that well. Why not? Let's bring some of uh, the cheese producers to London to understand the the cheese scene here in in or in Great Britain, and then mm. it was uh, was very interesting actually. So then we uh, was uh, well uh, having them entering the the competition, and then suddenly I saw that this uh, competition was moving out of of uh, Great Britain to Spain. Yeah, and, uh, to the San Sebastian, this Wonderful beautiful city. city. And then I had this crazy <laughs> idea of well. If they are going to Spain, maybe I shall ask them to come to our country then. Brilliant. Isn't that That's, um, yeah, good thinking. I mean, it's very, it's really interesting the way that it moves around, they always move around the world. But so let's go back to the those the winners. So one of the, was that San Sebastian that a Norwegian cheese That's won? That's right, yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yes, you're right. Yeah. Oh, tell us about the cheese and the makeup. Uh, it's, it's uh, at that time, it was uh, quite... A normal standard uh, Norwegian farm cheese producer, quite mm-hmm. small. Tingvolos is the name uh, at the v- f- north uh, west coast uh, 
of Norway, uh, quite large milk producer when it comes to Norwegian standards. Right. Uh, But they had exploited the possibilities of of doing something more with their milk, a high-quality milk producer. And then uh, they were starting to to produce different kinds of cheeses, some hard cheeses and this blue cheese. Hmm. Uh, So it's some kind of Norwegian version of uh, Roquefort. Amazing. Uh, So, um, yes, and and it had a great success nationally, but the really breakthrough came after they they won in San Sebastian in 2016. So, uh, well, it puts you on I, a map when you win like that, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah it was and and especially because it's it's not only like myself working in the in the restaurant business for thirty years, we knew about the interesting producers around the country, but for the the main public, uh, they didn't know, and so actually yeah. it was a really breakthrough uh, through all the Norwegians uh, having a, yeah. a national international winner of of a cheese. Uh, acclaimed cheese competition. So, it yes, it was really a breakthrough for Norwegian cheese, not only uh, nationally, but also in, uh, internationally. So it's, yes, fantastic. it's been a great success. And tell me, Sue, and then what, what year did um, the World Cheese Awards come to Norway? The, what in 2018 to the, the city of Bergen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I remember I asked uh, uh, John Farron at the, the Guild of Fine Food uh, about this uh, crazy idea of bringing it to this uh, not so very known uh, uh, gastronomic uh, country called Norway, and he well, <laughs> after a while, he thought about it, and and, and happily for us, he, he said yes. Great, and that and again, there was a Norwegian winner, wasn't it that that year? Yeah, that was really special. Uh, I think nobody would see that coming. Uh, another Norwegian winner, and uh, well, it, it was really great. Uh, different kind of type of of cheeses. The producer was uh, situated just outside of Bergen. Hard cheese, uh, really great cheese, but a very different type um, yeah. of cheeses. Ostegården, Farmaust. It's Norwegian names, of course, but uh, it's a lovely cheese. Mm, isn't that fantastic? Cheese is such a diverse food. I mean, that's what's fascinating, isn't it? And when you watch those <laughs> that final sixteen, they're all so different from each other, really, aren't they? Yeah. And then. So you really don't really know which is going to win. It's not a clear, clear-cut thing because it's it's just a lot of, of subjectivity in a way. You know, yes, it's, all it's all about cheeses. taste. And taste. yeah, like, what, what are people going to, what are the judges going to like, you know, mm. on the day? And so are you looking forward to it? There must be a lot of logistics involved in in hosting something, an event like that. Is it, oh, I mean, a lot of yes. work behind scenes. Yes, of course it is. Yeah. When, when you have to 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 work to, or so happily to to work with so professional organizers like yeah. uh, Guild of Fine Food, it's no problem. Yeah, they're pretty uh, expert, aren't they? They're, they're amazing. After yeah. thirty years of doing this wonderful competition, they are so so. Yes, I well, but we have a, a national cheese festival uh, with also international participation in, in the festival uh, that surrounds the, the World Cheese Awards. So, oh, nice. So yeah, it's it's a lot of cheeses uh, indeed, four thousand five hundred or something. Yeah. Uh, so it's a lot of uh, it's like an Olympic for food yes. in a way. Yes, it is. Yeah, yeah, and a gathering of amazing cheese people from around the world. You know, it's quite remarkable. So thinking back to the, that winning of the world cheese award, Norway, a Norwegian cheese winning, and that obviously got a lot of interest and got the imagination perhaps of the Norwegian public and a sense of pride in Norwegian. Do so you think the Norwegian cheese scene is is progressing now? It's won twice. Indeed, yes. Uh, there has come. More and more producers uh, to the market, uh, m- more participation in the uh, World Cheese Award, 
focus on quality, uh, also diversifying their types, not so that they are thinking, oh, I can make a blue cheese, then, uh, then I can win all, uh, me myself also. No. Yeah. So it's, uh, they are producing all kinds of, of uh, uh, cheeses around the country. So, and people get proud of, of their produce, uh, their locals, uh, their neighbors, and, and it spreads. So, yes, it's, I think it's, it's a very good thing, not only for the cheese-producing community, but also for the, the whole the gastronomic interested people of, of our country. Yeah. Uh, and also for all kind of farm produce that they can see that, well, my neighbor is a very good milk uh, farmer producing milk, and but uh, also I being a, a fruit farmer producing ciders or ham, uh, there is a potential for what I'm producing that I didn't expect. Yeah, so actually cool. it gives, gives you a perspective that you can see that from a very small country, you can have a quality in the in the raw materials of what you produce that can take you that as far as as this for this cheese or whatever it is. Yeah, that you're yeah producing. fantastic. I mean, yeah. yeah, and food, you know, good food is a very powerful thing in a way, isn't it? It's fascinating. So, and it had profound, yeah. profound uh, implication for for both producers now. Uh, I just heard that they are exporting a lot of uh, Kraftkar to Spain. And Spain is a country of cheese traditions that is much yes. older than uh, we have been producing uh, cheeses. And and uh, so, well, a lot of Kraftkar is sold around uh, Spain. And I also heard that the chains for Farmhouse after 2018 was profound. The son of the farm, he said, yes, I think I will uh, take it over from you. And, and, and his father was, of course, very proud. And so he had mm. profound uh, implication for, for a winner to, to take part in. Fantastic. Isn't that a great story? Good. Well, all the best with um, this, this autumn of the World Cheese Awards this year. And um, thank you. Thank you for taking the time to talk to us, Ben. Much appreciated. Thank you, Jenny. To find out more about Food FM and our content, go to foodfmradio.com. Thank you so much for listening to A Slice of Cheese. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have enjoyed it, it would be lovely if you could rate us on wherever you've found this podcast. It will make such a difference to us. So I hope you'll enjoy us again. Thank you very much.